Welcome to Jazz Piano Skills. I'm Dr. Bob Lawrence. It's time to discover, learn, and play jazz piano. Well, I hope everyone has been busy practicing the harmonic and melodic workouts for the key of B major. And I hope you've been preparing to tackle a jazz standard in the key of B major as well, which I was preparing to release today. However, however, I spent some time interviewing longtime jazz piano skills member David Shields over the weekend, and it's fantastic. And in fact, I'm so pumped about this interview that I simply cannot wait to share his story, his journey, his pearls of wisdom with you. So I've decided to publish our interview today and push the tune to next week. Which, right, which is not a bad thing because it gives you all another week to fine-tune your key of B major skills before applying them to a classic jazz standard. Now, a little bit about Mr. David Shields. Originally from Kansas, at least I think that's right, originally from Kansas, David now resides in Australia. Now, he has a combined love here. He's got a a combined love of music and sports, particularly tennis, that has taken him worldwide. He studied piano from an early age, mainly classical music, but jazz has always been his true love. Now, David has had a passion for tennis, and he's played competitively throughout his entire life, throughout through college. Uh, And after a stint in the Army, he became a professional tennis coach and teaching has been his main focus literally for decades, which, which began when he received an offer to teach and play tennis in France. Off the court, the piano has always been there, always been there. And his commitment to jazz studies continues to this very day. So now I want you to sit back, I want you to relax, and welcome to Jazz Piano Skills, Mr. David Shields. David Shields, I've been threatening you for a long time that I'm going to have you on Jazz Piano Skills, and I've made good on my threat. Here we are. <laughs> you have, and I'm, I'm, I'm trembling. No, this is, uh, no, this is, this is going to be good fun. <laughs> yes, it is going to be fun, man, because, you know, I've known you now. You've joined Jazz Piano Skills, uh, well, I, I guess, what, maybe a couple years ago now? Has it been that long? A couple of years, yeah. 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 Uh, so, you probably, know, and we've, yeah, we've just got on to two know years. each other. Know each o- two years, yeah. So we've got to know each other back yeah. and forth uh, over those two years' time. And uh, I'm fascinated with just how much you know about jazz you're like a walking encyclopedia of jazz and (laughs) i'm also fascinated because you are a professional athlete and trainer uh tennis coach and uh and i want to talk about all that stuff uh today as well in relationship to jazz studies but before we before we get off to the races here, I want to just kind of turn the microphone over to you, and I want you to share and introduce yourself to the Jazz Panel Skills community. Man, tell us about your childhood, your background, how you got into music, how you got into this love of jazz that you have. Uh, so just, mm-hmm. the mic is yours, my friend. Just fill, fill us in. Uh, and we've only got uh, three days to do this. <laughs> well we can make it four we can make Uh, it four well seriously i i feel a bit of a a a ring in here i'm i feel like i've jumped the queue in front of a whole lot of others who uh and the other interviews you've done with professional musicians and jamie abersold and you know how do i compare with that that's that's impossible um but it's a real treat to be on here and be able to talk with you uh, I started a uh, long, 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 long time ago playing piano, had a piano in the house, grew up in the middle of Kansas, and there was always music around there. Uh, I, I listened to everything my mother had. I've still got 
her her 78 albums of Benny Goodman, Glenn Miller, Tommy Dorsey. We we grew up with that music. Wow. Frank Sinatra, show tunes. So there was always music in the house and there was always something around. And the piano was a, a huge part of what, what we did. My sisters and I both took lessons. I think I had the better teacher, but she... <laughs> I don't know why they why we got split up, but uh, no, I had a brilliant teacher when I was when I was growing up, to the point that I was playing mostly classical, almost all classical at that point. But to learn things that really made a big impact on on my music life and and what I've done since then, um, things like you know learning the Chopin Military Polonaise when I was I was eleven years old. And I still play wow. it. I, I, it's something wow. that uh, I, I don't know. But what I have learned from you, and this is really, really important, is that's only pushing buttons. <laughs> that's all it is. <clears throat> and what I've learned from you in the last two years about the difference in learning music or actually playing music and understanding it, my, my, my head is just exploding every week. And you've got to understand that you have given us over two years. I've got about 2,000 pages of, of lesson notes from you. There's no, I don't have enough time left in the world to learn all this stuff. But that's, um, it's really, really important. Um, and I went on and I played piano for a long time and then went to, went to college, kept playing. Uh, and I suppose growing up, I was... I was asked to play things in school concerts or, or a lot of recitals and things, and, mm-hmm. and, and that just mm-hmm. kept me going. But I went to college and then went into the Army. And I was, I was introduced to Jay McShann when I was in the Army. Oh, now, my mother introduced yeah. me to him. Right. This isn't just she played me his music and, and that she actually introduced me to him. Uh, I was home on leave oh, wow. one weekend. This was in probably February 1973, I think. And my parents picked me up. We drove to Wichita and went to the Canterbury Inn in Wichita. She said, I've got, I've got to introduce you to somebody. Walked in there, and here's Jay McShann sitting at the piano with Paul Gunther in the corner playing drums <laughs> and Claude Williams on the bass and the violin. Oh, my gosh. Now... I'm hoping everyone knows who Jay McShann is and was uh, as, as one of the great Kansas City blues pianists, had his own big band. Mm-hmm. He was instrumental in getting Charlie Parker his first start and took him, you know, Par- Charlie worked with Jay for years and years. And then uh, they both went to New York and they, they changed directions. But uh, they, to sit in that little club right next to him and watch him play and to listen to Claude Williams, who, and I remember, um, uh, wow. who was it? Bert, uh, uh, Bert talked about, one of your other interviews, talked about meeting Claude and playing with Claude Williams. Bert Lager. Just incredible. Right. Um, to, to be a part of that right. and part of that history is, was, was really, so I've got a couple other Jay McShann stories I'll, I'll tell you there. They both have bittersweet endings, but they're, they're <laughs> they are good. Uh, but from there, went uh, went back to back to college. Still playing tennis all the time. Teaching, started teaching tennis in nineteen seventy five, I think. So I've been been teaching about forty seven years now. Mm-hmm. Pretty much full time around the world, and uh, and it just it just went on from there. Was offered a chance. Was working at a tennis club in 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 Florida with with Harry Hopman. And there was a French family who came through. One of the young, one of their sons was was playing. Went out to dinner with them one night. They said, "Would you come and be Pierre's private coach in in Lyon?" So I went to France for four years and played, uh, wow. taught there, and, wow. and played, but still kept playing piano. I had a, I found a teacher there who was a friend of of the the families there. The most amazing teacher I've ever had. Uh, French, oh, except for you, but um, <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Okay. she was Thank you, man. Thank an you. amazing teacher uh, to, 
to the point that I would go in there for my lesson on Sunday afternoons, 45 minute lesson. And almost every week she would say, oh, that's pretty good, but let's stay, stay, have dinner with the family and then we'll go back and play some more. So we did. Wow. She asked me to play things that I had no business playing. I've got a, an autographed copy of, she sent me a, a copy of uh, Chopin's uh, Polonaise Fantasy that is just mind boggling. Right. But one year for my, it happened, it happened on my birthday. One year she invited her teacher, Madeleine de Valmalet, to the house. And Madame de Valmalet came in and played a concert for us. All the Chopin preludes, wow. start to finish, from memory. Oh she was 86 years old at the time. Oh, my goodness. And we just sat there and listened to that. And I was doing some research the, oh, a few months ago just to see where what her history was. It turns out, and now Amy and Nancy and Anita will enjoy this. The finger exercise in independence is uh, Isidore Philip, who wrote two volumes of, right. of finger independence. Absolutely incredible, uh, much better than Hannon and Cherney and all of those. But Madame de Valmolette was a student of Isidore Philip in Paris at the conservatory. So this is where I go back to the history of Mm -hmm. the, you know, the, the, the generations and the connections that I've had right. with, with the piano and it's right, but it's all, it's all classical right now mm -hmm. up to that point. So this is where I'm on my journey now with you and, and with working on jazz. Um, and that's yeah. playing jazz is, is one thing I've been involved with it for a long time, I've been doing radio work in Melbourne for about 20 years, right. um, producing and presenting jazz programs. So that's where I get a lot of uh, contact with the musicians, um, emceeing jazz festivals and, you know, album launches and, and interviews and all right. of that. And that's right. why I say I'm, I feel like I'm on the wrong side of the mic here because I'm, I'm so used to interviewing people instead of being interviewed. So I, I don't get to talk this much. <laughs> right. But the, the people right. I've met. Right. And, one of your your great sayings, and, and you do it all the time, the, the greatest thing about music is is the people you meet. And no, I absolutely correct. agree with that. And it's, it's true with tennis as well. Uh, I've met some amazing people through, yep, through right. tennis traveling around the world. Right. But the music, the people right. that I've met through interviews and concerts and listening, to, to sit down right. and talk with Charlie Hayden or sit and yeah, talk right. with uh, right. Lee Konitz, Right. or Jack DeJunette, oh, to be goodness. able to, to sit and talk with these people and find out you know, mm -hmm. what's, what's it like? Why do, you, why do you play the way you play? And what, you, know, you talked about in the, right. in the masterclass the other day, how, how do you practice improvisation? What do you right. do? And right. I was able to talk with these guys. And, and I asked Lee Konitz one time, what's, what are your favorite things to play? And, and how do you keep playing so many things over the years? And he said, right. you know, I only play about a dozen tunes. And that's why I play all the things you are, because it's infinitely changeable. You can do anything with it. And to right, hear that right. from him, who'd been yes. at, the, right. uh, at the birth of the cool with Miles Davis. Right. That's, that's incredible to, to listen Man. to that and to, to be able to, to hear him. Uh, so, you know, I've had some, some really, really fortunate chances to meet people and, and talk with them and just sit. Um, you know, I'll, I'll yeah. the, the two Jay McShan story, I, I've, I've got to share these with you there. Please. The please. first one was uh, playing a concert. He was playing at a jazz festival in Salina, Kansas. And I'd, I'd caught up with him a few times. They had the break. He came over the table. We're sitting chatting. And I said, you know, it's, it's really great. Some of the things that you just used to do with Charlie Parker, that, that was, was really um, groundbreaking and things that you got him to do. And he said, you know, I think I've got some old tape somewhere that uh, we might have recorded years ago. Here's my address in Kansas City. Stop by sometime and pick him up. And my jaw went, <laughs> I Yeah, no doubt, right? Yeah. That was, yeah. Yeah, that no was doubt. just incredible. <laughs> uh, he gave me his address, wrote it on the back of a, a deposit slip out of his checkbook. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, my. 
<laughs> I think I've still got it. Oh my gosh. But, oh, that's hilarious. Uh, so, but I never, I never got, I was playing a tennis tournament in Kansas city one year and I, I was going to look him up and just never had a chance to do it. We did catch up a few times after that. Once in France, I was in Lyon working at a tennis club, coaching this kid and went into the local music shop. The big poster on the wall, Ella Fitzgerald playing it at this outdoor amphitheater. Mm. This is in the middle of July, in the summer in France, beautiful mm-hmm. time. Ella Fitzgerald with opening act Jay McShann and the quartet. Now, I was, of course, you got to see Ella, but I was really happy to see oh, Jay. Oh, right. And there was, there was a girl at the tennis club who I was, uh, I was teaching English to this group of business people. And, and one of the people in the class, she was a big jazz fan. I said, look, you want to go see Ella Fitzgerald? Yeah, great. That's great. So off we went. And I went down, (laughs) we got there, got our seats and and then Jay and guys were warming up and and getting set up. And I went down to the stage and just said, hi, how's it going? Caught up a little bit. And he said, hey, look, when we finish, we finish the set, come backstage and we'll we'll have a chat. We'll we'll catch up. And there's my dilemma. I'm at a concert to watch Ella Fitzgerald with, (laughs) with this girl who's you know, interested in Ella Fitzgerald, didn't know Jamie Chan at all. Right. So what's what's my what's my choice? What's my choice? Jay finished his set, <laughs> and I and I did I did what I knew I had to do. So uh, I made sure I got a, I got her a ride back to the. the t- no, I didn't. No, <laughs> no. We sat there and. and, and right. Oh we, my. We saw Ella, and you know the one one thing that strikes me most about Ella Fitzgerald was Paul Smith at the piano. Absolutely mm-hmm. incredible. He he only died a few years ago, but he was mm-hmm. he was a, an absolute giant, uh, and accompanied Ella for for years. Mm-hmm. Brilliant pianist, absolutely right, brilliant. Right. So it was it was worth it. No, yeah. I, I did see Jay a few times after that anyway, so that's I didn't miss too much. Right. But uh, I, yeah, and I, yeah. I made the right choice. <laughs> you made the right but choice. That's, you made the right choice. This is the, yeah, this is the mix of, you know, tennis and, and music. And, and I'm so glad that I'm doing this, this journey with you right now, because I, I love it. I absolutely love it, but it's driving me crazy. I, I, I just, there's so much to learn, and it's so much more difficult. Oh, <laughs> it, right. It is. Right. It is so right. difficult compared to the to the classical piano. I, you know, I'm playing. Right. Uh, when I was in Florida, I had a teacher there who who forced me to do a solo concert, and she said, "You're gonna you're gonna play this concert. It's an hour long program. You pick whatever you want to play, but you also have to compose two pieces." And Oh, okay. Oh my! So goodness. I did, and and it was recorded. I don't know what happened to the recording; it's gone. But one of the pieces I, I, I did a, a prelude, recorded, uh, wrote one, and then the second one, uh, very very catchy title. I called it Composition Number One, and that was <laughs> it. Right, uh, right. But, classic, classic. Uh, uh, but that was that. That's a sort of pushing that I've had to to play things that. Are, are beyond me. And, and you talk about this all the time. You've, you've got to go beyond your comfort level and just keep going. So now we're, we're in the key of B major. Ugh, I'm, I'm still, you know, it's, it really is not that easy, but it's, it's fun. It's so much fun yes. to be able right. to do this. Right. And right. also to know the music. That's, that's where I think I've got a slight advantage over some who, who may not who may just be coming in learning right now, but I've, I've had so much right. contact with the music right. and with jazz musicians and, and piano and different instruments. That's, that's made a huge difference. So I can, I can feel the music and I, I know, I know what it is and I'm right. I know I've heard it before, so I'll right. try to play it again, but that's, uh, that's where we've ended up. But yeah. the, the crossover is incredible. I've been taking notes over the last week or so since you got a hold of me and, and, just the comparisons of what I do and what you do, 
what I do on the court, what you do at the keyboard is, is really, uh, there's so many crossovers. Yeah. And I, and and yeah. And I want to talk about that a little bit, David, because you, you know, obviously your musical path has been quite a journey, you know, from a classical background, you have this profound love for jazz and the history of jazz, the music of jazz. And, but, I want to set that kind of to the side for a second because I want you to talk mm-hmm. a little bit about, you know, you're a professional tennis coach. You know, you're there in Australia. You've been, you, you just mentioned that you've been coaching and teaching uh, professional tennis, uh, uh, tennis for 40, 40 years, 40 years. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, so I want you to talk a little bit about you, the discipline that you have, uh, acquired over the years as a professional athlete, as a tennis player, and and as a tennis coach, and I want you to talk about that a little bit in the demands of uh, of of being an athlete and a professional coach, and how that parallels with the, the demands and the mental side that you have found that is necessary with regards to the study of music, whether it's classical or jazz, just the study of music in general. So can mm-hmm. you, can you talk to us about that a little bit? Oh, absolutely. 99% of it comes back to fundamentals. And I know you stress that a mm-hmm. lot. Uh, and I'll start with paper practice. That is, is one of the most important right. things that I've learned from you and learning to to step away from the instruments and and learn theory right. and and chords and scales and and right. everything that right. is necessary to be able to play, the same thing happens with right. tennis. And something that I try to get through to the students, the players all the time, is that you don't have to be hitting tennis balls to improve. You don't have to be on the court. Right. So invariably, right. we get a wet day. The rain comes down. The kids are saying, oh, you know, mm-hmm. oh, we can't do anything. And the parents are even worse sometimes. They're thinking, right. I'm not paying this guy to teach my kid how to play tennis if we can't hit tennis balls. But there's so mm-hmm. much that they can learn off the court. There's so much that they can learn mm-hmm. about the history, about the strategies, about the, mm-hmm. the basic things like the geometry of the court. Everything I right. teach is really based in geometry and physics. And like we talk about in music, everything is only ascending, descending, scales and arpeggios. That's it. Right. They're, it's right. pretty simple. Tennis right. is the same way. And I try to get that across to them that if you understand the geometry of the court, that hasn't changed in well over 100 years. Court's exactly the same size. Physics haven't changed since forever. The way the racket acts on the ball, the right. way the ball spins, right. the way the ball bounces. Right. That's constant. Right. That's never going to change. Right. The way the game's played is changing a little bit. Sure, the players are getting stronger right. and faster. They're hitting the ball harder. Equipment's changed. But basically, the game is exactly the same as it has always been. So right. there are things that you can learn off the court or just by watching. I say, just sit down and watch this yep. match right. and see what you can pick right. out. Same thing you talk about. Right. Sit and listen. If you don't understand something, that's okay. All this, you know, the thousands of pages of of notes that you've put out to us, there's no way we can learn all that. But if we just sit and listen, listen to music, listen to Monk play, listen to Miles Davis, listen to... Right. I was listening to Stan Getz the other night. Right. And it's just, there's always something you can learn without actually having to, to play, without having to hit a ball. Or get on the court. Um, that that session, I think I sent you the video about that. Just basic backyard skills you can do with a racket and a ball. You don't have to have a court. You don't have to have a partner. You don't have to have a um, anything. Just racket and ball skills. Right. Really, really right. important. So that's right. that's one of the the most basic things I can I can say. And then it's just keep things simple. Keep keep your focus on on what's important. What's Right. What you really have to do. Yeah. And I, I right. know I, I put down a couple right. of notes about um, oh, what was I talking about? Um, just oh, to to improvisation, limit your choices 
to increase your creativity. And That's right. you've been That's a exactly big, right. 100% big correct. Uh, focus on that. You know, improvise on two notes. Improvise on one note. Right. Well, I do the same thing with right. a, one of my favorite drills with the players is to get one player on the baseline, one at the net. I feed the ball to the baseline player. He has to hit a passing shot. He's got to get it past the net player, but he can only hit to certain parts of the court. He's not able to hit everywhere. There you go. He can only hit to that spot right. or this spot. And he's got to be creative right. with the way he hits the ball or she hits the right. ball. They, right. they have right. to be able to think their way through that without uh, having you know, tons and tons of options. And it's the same thing with, with music. Right. And I'm, I right. really love that. That's, it, it, it's made a big difference in, yep. in the way that I play, the way that I, I approach yep. things. But I'm hoping with tennis players, it's the same right. same thing. You don't have infinite choices right. when you are on a tennis court. Correct. You can only hit a ball right. in certain places. Right. You're limited by the court. Right. The net gets in the way. You know where where are you going to put the ball? So yeah, right. You've got to you be know, able to think your way yeah, through that. Yeah, you, you know. Right. You know, it's interesting because that word's limitations, right? <clears throat> we uh. It's amazing to me how many musicians fail to realize there's limits. Uh, and I would think that in, in the professional athletic mm. world and in tennis, uh, as you just said, there's limits, right? And until we understand that limits does not mean uh, anything's lacking. It, it doesn't mean that you cannot be creative or um uh, uh, successful playing because of limitations. It's just the opposite. And and if we don't understand the limitations, then what happens is mentally everything is way too confusing. And you know, you've heard me you've heard me say mm-hmm. this before in the past too. That you know, if music and I and I would assume the same thing for tennis. We could just take the word music out of this sentence and slide tennis uh, uh, t- tennis into it. That I say all the time, if if music is easy upstairs, if music is easy here, then you have a chance, you have a shot at being successful downstairs in your hands. If music, on the other hand, Mm -hmm. is complicated upstairs, then I can guarantee you, you have no shot downstairs in your hands. And I would assume that the same could be said for tennis. If tennis is simple here, then you got a shot with the racket in your hand. You actually have a shot. But if tennis is complicated up here in the head, in your mind, then good luck with that racket in your hand. You're going to need a big racket because uh, <laughs> the chances are you're not going to be very successful. Am I, am, I, am I stepping out way too far on a limb there? Not, not at all. That's, that's exactly – I try to get players to – to again limit their choices, keep it as simple as possible, right. and understand right. that if if you can hit uh, a great old American tennis coach, Vic Braden, who used to say, "Learn how to hit the same old boring shot every time, and you'll always be a winner." So <laughs> right. you just have right. to learn to not get complicated. You know, right. if I'm if I'm on the court and I've got a choice of a shot, uh, I just play the shot that I know I can play. And if my right. opponent picks it up and gets it back, too good. That's just right. the way it is. But I only have one. I only have one thing in my mind. I only have one shot to to worry right. about. Right. Instead of trying to approach the ball with, oh gosh, if I hit it here or hit it there, or, or maybe I can, th- maybe he'll think I'm going to hit it. It's no, you're done. Right. That's yeah. Right. You just cannot cannot play. Right. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm always, uh, I'm just always amazed at the similarities between the discipline that is needed to become an accomplished musician, how those same disciplines apply uh, to anyone wanting to become an accomplished athlete. I'm always amazed at just how much of an overlap uh, the disciplines are. It's, it's fascinating. Hmm. So you already have, you already have built into your DNA being a professional athlete and a professional coach. You already have built into your DNA, that which is needed uh, to become a very accomplished and successful uh, musician. So, you know, with that in mind, I want to kind of shift the conversation a little bit to the music side of things. So share a little bit with the jazz piano skills listeners 
about your jazz journey. Uh, be if you would be candid enough just to kind of share with everybody, you know, how you practice, how you approach things uh, at the piano, how you approach things away from the piano, what what have what has been the most frustrating aspect of studying jazz and studying piano, jazz piano? What what are things that you found that have come very natural or very comfortable for you? Can I know that's a lot to, to cover, but I, I, if you could kind of just speak openly about those various aspects of your journey. Well, compa- <laughs> comparing jazz piano with classical piano, it's... It is a nightmare. It really is. Uh, I didn't realize how much <laughs> I didn't know. That, and that's probably my that's that's as honest as I can be. There is so much that I've just right. in the last two years. There's so much that I've learned. And look, I've I've listened to to jazz for years and years and years and years. And I I, I love it. I love to listen to it. And I listen to to players right. play and think. You know, this is this is great. Uh, this this must be really easy. It's not, because you start to get into. <laughs> I know there are only twelve tones, and I know it's not limitless, right. but it feels like it sometimes. But what I'm doing now is really getting back to basics of things like progressions, two five one, three six two five ones, really right. working on those, building up from. From the the shells to the three note to two handed voicings, even some rootless voicings. I, I I mean I love Bill Evans, so right you've got to throw some of those in as well. Right, right. But I have started to do a, a lot more away from the piano work with just Good. writing down. Okay, what's this progression? What's what's the fifth of right. the key of B? What's the the sixth right. of E flat? What and, and you right. put that out on the, the masterclass a few weeks ago with the, the, the little flashcard ideas of fill in the blanks and, and do this away from the piano. That was, right. that was so good. And it's something that I really have to do. Uh, mm-hmm. Look, I can read me. I, I sit down and read the music and I'll play it. But I want to be able to do that and get in the middle of a piece and still be able to keep going. I mean, one of my, my big... My, a horrible story. When I was young, I was playing classical stuff, playing in a, in a, a recital, playing Liszt Hungarian Rhapsody. I got in the middle of it. Wow. And I got stuck. I, I couldn't remember. I just could not remember it. <laughs> I didn't have the music. <laughs> and I got stuck and I played it. I, I, no, I went back two measures. Oh, let's try it again. Oh, it was so frustrating. Nearly walked off. But somehow I got through it. But that's what I love about jazz. I can I can actually make those mistakes, and they sound as long as I make them two times in a row, it sounds okay. So, <laughs> right. oh, that's great. Oh, yeah. But uh, but that's that's oh, really is my so, okay. my goal right now is to be comfortable enough with enough of the changes, enough of the the rhythms. I know we're getting to the rhythmic patterns now, and that's. That's a very, very important right. part. And luckily, I, I can feel that a little bit right. easier. That's, it's not something I have to, to right. count right. out all the time. Because I, I did that. My, my teacher in yeah. France was, was adamant about, about counting and, and getting the time right. And playing Debussy, right. Right. if you don't get the rhythm right, right it just it sounds horrible. So she was, she was very big on that. Correct. Um, right. So that's that's yeah. really uh, I I need to do a lot more work away from the piano and and get the the things in my head as you say if they're clear in my head it'll come out in the fingers it, it really does yeah yeah well yes you know that that is so important and and you're right I do stress that a lot right the study of the study of music away from the instrument and and the things that you that you've mentioned that you're doing is absolutely uh, gigantic. It's monumental, right? Understanding keys, you know, being able to spell your scales, Mm. being able to identify the chords that are produced by the scale, 
being able to spell those chords, being able to understand the function of those chords that, oh, that's the two chord, that's the five chord, that's the one chord. Mm. That's like, you know, that's so, that's foundational type information that the reality is, the reality is this, uh, if that is not, if you do not have a command of that data, if you do not have a command of that data, then it really is irrelevant how much technique you have, how much skill you have physically on the instrument. But if you do not have the command of that data, you will never, ever develop into a jazz pianist. That's just, those are just mm-hmm. brutal facts, right? That's, uh, there's no, there's no shortcut, right? There's no, you know, learn how to play jazz piano in 30 days, learn, you know, learn, you know, play your first gig in 90 days. I mean, I, I, you know, there's none of this shortcut stuff, even though that a lot of times people fall for that thinking that there's a shortcut, but like, like my dad always used to say, there's no longer, there's no longer way to get anywhere than a shortcut. You know, so, uh, you know, if, if everybody looks for that magic, that magic sentence or that magic pill or that magic wand or that, you know, that shortcut that's going to save them, you know, years of practicing. But I, the, but the reality of it is it's just not there. Right. I mean, and I think I think I speak for all of us. We've all tried to find it, but it ain't there. Right. It's just not there. <laughs> well, you can get to the point where. Sure, you can play the notes, you can play the tunes, that's fine. Uh, but uh, it, it just, we're, we're going to do that anyway. And what, what I, I really enjoy about what we're doing now with the, the uh, progressions of, of the, the lessons, if you look at face value of, of what you're, you're putting out there, it's very complicated, it's very technical, it's very academic. Right. It's, but then all of a sudden, right. boom, there's a tune. And guess what? All that stuff we've been working on fits into the tune. Hey, this is good. Because right. in, in the end, that's right. what we want to do. We want to play, yeah. we want to play music. We want to play tunes. But we'll you know, if music. I just want to read music yeah. and play play out of a book, I can do that. That's that's fine. But this this goes that next level. Yeah. Really, really more important, I think. Uh, it's like like on the tennis court. The first thing yeah. I look at. One of the players, can he or she move? What's, what's the movement like? I don't care about hitting a right. ball. Anybody, I can teach somebody to hit a shot in five minutes. That's, that's easy. As long as you stand there, you don't move, and I feed the ball to you exactly in the right spot. I'll teach you how to hit that ball. Right. And there are a lot of players who, who do that. Right. But you move them away three or four steps, and the ball starts to bounce a bit higher or lower out to the side, and, and a bit of spin, and right. you have to adapt. You can't do it. They, they just fall apart. So the right. basics have to be there. And right. you've got to understand right. the, the basics, like understand the functions, understand the chord progressions, understand the, the differences in the keys and how they, yeah. how they work in tunes. Yeah. Um, that's why I said yesterday yeah. about, about giant steps. Yeah, you've got, you know, you've got because keys running all over the place. Right. But, you know, you know, that's interesting because if there if you were going to if you're going to label anything a shortcut, the irony is the shortcut would be the grunt work, all the grunt work that we're doing. Right. All the grunt work of the keys Mm. and the the chord scale relationships, because, you know, I tell students I tell students that start with me all the time. Like if if a new student was coming into my studio tomorrow here, Dave, David, here would be one of the very first things I would say to them. I said, okay, there's two ways we can approach this. We could, I, I, I could teach you the way, uh, I could take the, the path where we're going to work on a lot of, do a lot of grunt work, a lot, a lot of grunt work for a significant amount of time. And at the end mm-hmm. of that grunt work, you're going to be able to play thousands of tunes. That's approach one. Approach two, tell me what song you want to learn. And we can poke around on that song for about six months and uh, see how well it goes. Or we can poke around on it till you get tired. How about that? We'll poke around on it till you get tired of that song and you want to try to try your hand at another song. And we can do that and we can flounder around that way for as many years as you're willing to pay me tuition. And uh, and uh, 
and and see how that goes. So which approach? That's approach B. So do you want approach A or do you want approach B? Because that's really what it comes down to. If you do the grunt work, because the grunt work is found in all the tunes, the skills are found in all the tunes. So if you're learning the skills that are in all the tunes, then you'll be able to play all the tunes. But if you want to just work and font, you know, flounder around on a piece of music, trying to put pieces of a puzzle together, we can go that route too, but it's just not going to have the same benefit. So but but that's but that's the no. reality. That's the choice that lies before you or before anybody wanting to study yeah. jazz piano. That really is the choice. O- option A, option B, pick it and we'll go. And, you know, the funny thing is you learn that one tune, spend months and months, and then a year later, you've forgotten it. You can't play it. So <laughs> you can't play it. Then? Right. <laughs> yeah. What, well, we go back. We pick another tune. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. gosh. I've got a repertoire right, of six you know. tunes that I can play, and it took me 12 years to learn them. No. <laughs> no, that's – but it, it is the same with, with the tennis players. I, I, you know, they want to go out and play. They want, to, they want to go out and hit balls, and I see the kids do this all the time. They, they go out, and in almost every right. case, if I, if I turn four, bo- four kids loose on the tennis court with, with balls and rackets, they will go to the baseline and they'll start whacking balls back and forth. Every second or third ball goes in the net or in the fence or over the fence, and they waste all their time just because they think they want to play. Right. And I said, no, just move in closer, <laughs> hit the shortest, softest shot you can hit, and hit 100 of those. So in three minutes, they'll hit dozens and dozens of balls, and they get their feel, they start to move better, they get their focus, they, the attention's better, and then they can start right. to move back and move back right. and move back. But you can't go out and play right. a, a full match the first first thing up. You just don't have the skills to do it. So I mean, it'll look like well, tennis, it, sort of, yeah. but not really. Yeah. Uh, that, there, there you're, you're saying so many good things there, David. First of all, you, you mentioned the word skills. You said you got to know the skills of tennis if you're going to want to be able to play the tennis game, right? The game of tennis. You got to know yep. the, the skills. Or or you can just you can do things that kind of look like tennis, but it's not really tennis. Hmm. And, and and the same thing and the same thing happens in music as well. You got to learn the skills in order to play the game of music. And if you don't, if you don't right. learn the skills in order to play the games of music, then you're putzing around on the, on the, on your instrument with, with things that kind of sound like music, but it's not. Hmm. No, that there's a big difference there. And that's, uh, I, I just think it's so important to, to get back to basics and learn that, learn the fundamentals, know what you have to do to build on it because if you don't have the base, you can't build anything. It just, it just all falls yeah, apart. Yeah, that's right. And it, it yeah. proves itself very quickly. You know, if, you, if you're trying yeah. to, I don't know, run uh, a big scale or, or, or playing 17 chords in a row and changing, if you don't, if you don't know them, uh, yeah, you can hunt and peck and, and figure out a way to, to get there, but it's, it's going to sound terrible. Yeah. And the, the rhythm, and this is what has yeah. got me over the past few weeks is just the, the rhythm and the, how important that is to, to feel the yeah. music. So, and, and yeah. tennis is the same way. There's a rhythm to the game that, that you, there's a it, rhythm it makes right. it easier. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, uh, in, that, you know, that's you know, really they're, they're, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 interesting that you bring that up because uh, th- there absolutely is a rhythm to any athletic game, right? There's a rhythm to tennis. Mm. There's a rhythm to it, and and that rhythm that we've been studying uh, this year in jazz piano skills uh, and been exploring in the master classes every week. The, we, we've gotten to the point where we realize. At least I hope we've gotten to the point where we realize that everybody that's uh, studying and, and kind of going on the journey with us this year, that, you know, uh, n- n- notes by themselves ha- have no excitement. 
There's no excitement. There's no musical note that's mm-hmm. exciting to me. Not one. You could play all 12 of them. That, that none of them do anything for me. So if you play that, the middle C for me, it does nothing. It does nothing for me. Play D flat, it does nothing for me. D, nothing. E flat, nothing. In fact, it's just all blah, 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 blah. Right? But as soon as you start adding rhythm, you start adding rhythm to those blah, 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 blah notes. Now we got something. Now we have something. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I always use Duke Ellington C-Jam C jam blues as, as a validation to this p- point that, you know, yeah. here's two notes, you know, the note G and the note C. Nothing special about those two blah notes, right? But look what Duke Ellington does with those two notes. <laughs> yeah. Pretty cool. Mm. Right? Well, it's so, like Coleman Hawkins' one-note samba. Yeah. Yeah, right. 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 So I would imagine in the tennis world, I would imagine in the tennis world, if, if an athlete in the tennis world would really stop focusing on trying to make the great shot and actually would focus more on learning the rhythm of the game and how to control and manage the rhythm of the game, I bet they would be a lot more successful on the court than always trying to hit the great shot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you look at you look at great players, and they just look they look good. They look smooth. They they don't force anything. Same with pianists. Right. I mean, you watch. Right. Right. I mean, we talk about Oscar all the time, but oh yeah, you can't. You've you've got to have the 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 ability to play like that. But uh, it looks easy, and it looks, it looks smooth. Oh, one of the right. um, when I was I was coaching at the the National Tennis Center. Uh, the, the Harlem Globetrotters were playing across the road one night, and one of them came in one day. Wait a minute, was this? Was can I have, can I here for a hit? Was, wait a minute now, is this the Harlem Globetrotters with Meadowlark, Lemon, and Curly? No, no, no. That's when I was a little kid. No, this, this is. Uh, oh, no, man. they were because that's the, the, next that's the Harlem. This would have been okay. Well, yeah, I you know. know. To me, that's the Harlem Globetrotters. And, <laughs> Yeah, and red clots and the Washington generals and yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, um, right. No, this was uh, <laughs> no, this was, it was a good crew. Okay. Uh, it would have been nineteen oh, what eighty nine something like that. Um, okay, wait. Anyway, past one of them came into the pro shop one day and said, "Oh, can I can I have a hit?" So we went out on one of the stadium courts, and I I, I was hitting with him, and but just to watch him move around the court. I mean, he was about six foot eight, so he could cover the whole court in one step. But there was nothing forced. There was nothing uh, un, unbalanced. And he wasn't a tennis player, but all he had to do was get to the ball. And he sort of right. knew what to do with it. But that was, that was, that was wow. a perfect example of, of a good right. athlete who can, who can do something because he has the skills. He's got the, the movement, the balance, and all of that. Right. Uh, right. And it was... Um, no, it was great fun, and and then the, right. the best thing was that he said, "Come over to the game tonight, and we'll uh, we'll catch up afterwards." And I went down to the locker room afterwards. And we had a, an eighteen month old son at the time, and he said, "Here, j- this is for your son for when he grows up." Handed me a pair of his autographed basketball shoes. Everybody <laughs> in the team had autographed them, and <laughs> we've got those hanging on the wall now. They're they're no, it's it's been great. So. Uh, but what I was thinking was the yeah the the fun, things that go through the mind when you're playing music or playing sports or anything like that. One of my favorite books of all time is the Inner Game of Tennis, Timothy Galway. Oh right, who talks about right, right. the uh, self one and self two. Self one, the conscious mind gets in the way all the time. You make a mistake, you idiot. Why don't you? Why can't you play? And he says the answer to that is because you're no good. So you don't listen to that. You listen to self too, which is the unconscious. Just let it happen. The body knows what to do and it, it will get the job done. However, and he was, he was speaking at a national tennis teachers conference that I went to in New York one year. And he's, the fallacy people think is that they read the book and they, all you got to do is, is just let it happen. That it, it, It's all in there. He said, no, it's not. You still have to have fundamentals. You've still got to have the skills. Right. But then once you do that, you let those go and you don't try to force anything. So very similar to Kenny Werner with his effortless mastery. 
and it's well, it is it is right. almost well, almost identical. Yes, right. Well, you know, just like what you just said, let it happen, right? But if you don't have it, you can't let it happen. There's no it to let happen. That's right. Right. And the it, and the it is the are are the skills that we're talking about. The skills of tennis or the skills hmm. of music, right? If you don't have the it, what what you can't let it happen if you don't have it. You know, um, yeah. now that book that you mentioned, the, the inner game of tennis, you know, that was a, uh, that was a big book, right? I mean, that was, that was a very popular oh. book, not only for tennis players, but you know, um, uh, that I remember in, in college, I had to read that, that was required reading for musicians. In fact, there was another book called hmm. the inner game of music that came that came out after right. that but everybody said you know don't read the inner game read the inner game of tennis e- even as musicians we were told to read the inner game of tennis because mm. it, because and the funny thing this was this is what we've been talking about to, yeah this mm. is what we we're talking about today is because the overlap is so what it's it's like the same yeah and the interesting thing is it it's not a, a technical instruction book there's very little technical instruction about how to play the game. It's all about getting out of your own way, understanding what you can do. And, you know, he throws in a few technical tips, things like on volleys, you know, get down a bit lower or whatever, or um, you you spend time watching the ball as it spins. So you work on your focus and you work on uh, appreciation of what the ball is going to do and where it is and what it's going to do in space. Sort of the same thing when when we're playing piano, and you just you just feel the fingers and the and the fingering gets right, and yeah. it just feels right, yeah. and you don't you don't have to force yourself yeah. to do it, but you get to the point where that right. becomes automatic, and that's I mean I suppose yeah. that's that's what well, I'm trying to get to right now is is yeah right yeah well you've heard me David you've heard me say this many times I I say it in podcasts and. And, you know, we've discussed this in master classes. You know, I always say that, <clears throat> you know, I, I always say I ask students when they want to study music, they say they want to study music. And I always ask the question, well, that's wonderful. You know, so what is I say that if you want to study music, please tell me what is music the study of? If you want to study music, what is music the study of? And of course, they become speechless right away because they don't know they don't know how to answer the question what music is the study of. They, they want to study it, mm. but they can't tell me what it's the study of, which I find to be very interesting, right? So I, I'm, quick, I'm quick to point out that music is not the study of dots and buttons. It is not that. Where, you know, you're looking at a piece of music, that dot means push that button, that dot means push that button, right? I say, no, professional mm. musicians play shapes and sounds. That's what we play shapes and sounds so in essence then we have to study the shapes and sounds of music and i would imagine that in the Mm. tennis world as a tennis coach there are the shapes and sounds of tennis the moves the motions the feel of tennis the same kind of thing right that you have to study as a as an athlete as a professional tennis player if you're going to have success well, we do. We talk about shaping shots. If you're if you're hitting a serve, yeah. you want to hit it to a certain spot. It has to have a, a certain amount of spin, or it has to go to a certain place. You shape a forehand or a backhand so that it one it clears the net. There's only two objects in uh, right. tennis. is very similar to, to music. We we go up and down <laughs> in music. We've got scales and arpeggios. In tennis, you only have two objectives. You've got to get the ball over the net and make it land in the court. That's all you've got to do. If you can do that, then we start to learn, we start to work on more spin, more speed, more direction, a a little bit of variety. But the game, the game itself is pretty simple when you, when you think about it. And I even, I'll go back to, to Pete Sampras all the time. He won 14 Grand Slam singles titles by hitting a ball deep cross court, back and forth, back and forth, till he got a short ball, go to the net, hit a volley, win the point game set and match pretty simple <laughs> pretty simple um, 
right? And you and you look at the best players, and they they do. You know, they are incredible now. I, I've got to admit it. They're they're just right. uh, they're great right. players. But right. the you know, I think Rod Laver at one time said something about you know you don't need to hit a fifty thousand dollar shot when a fifty cent shot will win it. So <laughs> you don't have to get complicated. Um, right. Right. Yeah. You know, I would, I would mention this. Yes. You might. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, No, you you mentioned this the other day that uh, jazz players abhor silence. They, they don't, they don't want to have nothing going on. So, oh, we got to stick more notes in here. Stick more notes in. No, you don't. Right. No, make it it simple. Right. Make it simple. Right. Right. You know, uh, it's funny. I imagine that you could say to a young tennis player if you wanted to, right? This would be, I, I guess this would be a really bad business plan in tennis as a tennis coach to say to them on their first lesson, listen, <clears throat> when you can hit that ball over the net 300 times in a row without missing, then come back for lesson two. Right. Mm-hmm. That, that would probably be a bad business plan. It, just like in music, it would be a bad business plan for me to say, look, when you can play your 12 major scales up and down the piano, one octave, and your arpeggios up and down one octave, then come back for lesson two. Right? Because my point being is, my point being is, is there's a lot of skill that you got to, there's a lot of skill that's needed to do that. Yeah. But right. if you take that take that player and say you've got to hit the ball back and forth three hundred times, but put him two meters away from the net and hit the ball softly, that we'll do that. We'll do that. We used to hit, you know, hundreds and hundreds of right. shots in a row. Right. Right. But you, right. you, it's like skiing. You can't go down a black run if you're not a good skier. You just right. totally lose control. You can't go beyond your control. Same with same right. with piano. We can't. I, I cannot play, uh, you know, a, a Chopin uh, sonata. Right. Uh, well, almost right. anything. I, I play a lot of Chopin, but that's uh, there are some things that I just physically cannot play. It, it's just not yeah. possible. So, right. Uh, that's right. That's just the, well, the fact know, of the matter. And same thing with with tennis. Right. Right. You know, it's 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 always fascinating to me to listen to. Uh, Jazz musicians, as they age, as they age, as they get older, you know, physically, physically, they can't do what they did when they were younger. I mean, there's a reality to that. But they end up playing hmm. better as they get older. They they don't have the physical skill that they used to have, but their musical skill is by far much more superior. Right. So yeah. there's there's something to be said. There's something to be said about that. Right. So if we could play, well, then, if we could play, if we could play old, young, that would be fantastic. Yeah. I remember I heard, I heard Earl Hines uh, in Washington one year at Blues Alley, and he would have been mm-hmm. very old at that time. But, you know, and this is a guy who'd been around with Louis Armstrong in the 1920s, 1930s. Right. Uh, just right. amazing pianist. But right. still, still playing really, really well. You're, you're right. Some, some of them don't play all that well. We had McCoy Tyner out here a couple of years ago, and he wasn't well and, and wasn't playing all that well. So it, it is sad sometimes, but they still, yeah. Yeah. you can still feel it. They, they, they've got the feeling for it. And that's, uh, yeah. it's much better. I, I believe remember. me, it's much better watching old, yeah. Yeah, I remember much better watching old, one time on the, old pianists. Yeah. 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 Well, I remember one time on, on the John, uh, Johnny Carson show, they had UB Blake come on and he was celebrating like his mm. 90th birthday or her or his 95th birthday, something like that. And I think he lived to be like 96 years old or, but, but anyway, he was in his nineties and he had a big birthday celebration and, and the curtain opened up and they helped him out to the piano. I mean, he was old, he was, had a walker. They they get him out to the piano. He sits down and he plays a little solo version of, uh, I can't give you anything but love. And of course this is a 90 year old Mm. man sitting at the piano, uh, sitting at the piano playing and he played it so beautifully. 
and he wasn't doing anything fancy, not because he didn't want to do anything fancy. Physically, he was 90-plus years old, right? So he mm-hmm. played He played within the confines of his ability. And um, I remember yeah. after he got done playing, a huge standing ovation from the band, huge standing ovation from the audience. Johnny Carson was on his feet. Heck, I was on my feet sitting in my living room watching. It was, it was fantastic. It was absolutely beautiful. <laughs> and, 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 and there's a great lesson. There's a great lesson there for all of mm. us. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think that, and I think that Although lesson, is, I, I think that lesson, yeah. well, I, I think that lesson is that we, regardless of where each of us are in our own abilities right now, regardless of our age, with the abilities that we have, we can make really nice music. We hmm. can make really nice music. Yeah, it is. It is one of the benefits of of musicians as they get older. They they just limit what they can do, and that that's fine. They'll still sound fine. I can't say the same about old tennis players. So, right. Some, some of them, it, yeah. it really is. Uh, but they've been they've been through so much over their lives, and they they put their bodies through all sorts of well, that's of tortures and traveling yeah. the world and can, and playing and right. every day. It's it does take its toll. So that's a total yeah. body thing, and and it's it it is sad sometimes to see some of them play, but uh, but some of them are, are still. Still playing okay. That's. Yeah. I mean, I'm shooting for the 80 and over Wimbledon championships. That's that's my. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Do they in tennis? No. Do they? You know, like I know. I know in golf they have like the seniors tour. Uh, in golf, do mm. they have the same kind of thing in tennis? Like a seniors, uh, a seniors division in tennis. Oh, okay. Yeah, they do, yeah. and and uh, it, for the most part, it's pretty good. Um, McEnroe started that a few years ago. He was he was one of the, the key players. Jimmy Connors played for a little bit. Borg still plays a little bit. Um, uh, we're waiting for Roger Federer to show up on the senior tour and just wipe everybody away. But <laughs> right, right, <laughs> and right. he will. He will. Oh One my. leg, he'll do it. Uh, but yeah, no, right. they, they do play. They do play, and it's it's interesting, but it's not. It's not the way they used to play. That's that's the thing. So they're they're right, more limited right, than right. than a musician, I think. Right, for sure, for sure. Well, listen, my friend, we've been yakking for an hour now, man. So uh, we're going to wrap this thing up. I cannot begin to tell you. I cannot. I cannot begin to tell you what a joy it has been to sit here and learn about your musical journey, classical and jazz your your professional tennis uh, journey as well and how you're actually drawing strength from both of those disciplines to uh, help each one of those disciplines it's it's fascinating and I think it's a great lesson for all of us to to take the heart as well so you know on behalf of all the jazz piano skills listeners behalf of myself David I want to thank you for just taking the time out of your day and sharing yourself with the community it's it's been a joy Bob, thank you so much for what you do and what you do for everyone. I, I know all of us yeah. in the classes, all of us around the world, we really enjoy what you do. And, and hopefully we, we'll make you proud one of these days and we'll, we'll actually learn oh. some things. So it'll never well, end. You, you, are, you're, <laughs> you, you, all, you already do, my friend. You already make me proud. So, David, thank you so much. And, and we'll, we're going to have you back. I'm going to have you back on again soon, man. This, been, this has been way too, uh, too short of time. So we'll, we'll have to do a part two here soon. Well, I'm going to, I'll have to dream up some more stories then. I'll have to go back through my diaries and see what I've got. <laughs> All right, David. Listen, man, have a, have a great weekend. And uh, I will see you. I will see you online at Jazz Piano Skills. You will. I've got to get back to the back to the books and, and study for this week. So, uh, yeah. and I can't wait to see All what right. tune you're going to come up with this week. <laughs> <laughs> me, me too. Me too. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you, David. Thanks, Bob. Well, I hope you have found this Jazz Panel Skills podcast with special guest David Shields to be insightful, entertaining, and of course, to be very beneficial. One of my mentors and teachers, Al Franzen, used to say to me after 
every lesson. Never forget, the greatest thing about music is the people you meet through it. And the privilege of meeting and spending time with David simply confirms Al's sentiment 100%. Now, don't forget, if you are a Jazz Piano Skills member, I will see you online Thursday evening at the Jazz Piano Skills Masterclass. That's 8 p.m. Central Time to discuss this podcast episode featuring David Shields in greater detail. In fact, David will be there in person, so you can ask him all of your questions as well. So we'll be discussing this episode in detail and and answering any questions that you may have about the episode or about the study of jazz in general. As always, you can reach me by phone through the Dallas School of Music, 972-380-8050. My extension is 211. Or by email, Dr. Lawrence, drlawrence at jazzpianoskills.com. Or through SpeakPipe, which is a nifty, handy little widget found throughout the Jazz Piano Skills website. Well, there is my cue. That's it for now. And until next week, enjoy the journey. Enjoy the pearls of wisdom shared by David Shields. And most of all, have fun as you discover, learn, and play jazz piano.